The Catholic Church set up a rule where their priest could not marry. The Bible says that ministers are free to marry. Therefore, the Catholics set up a rule which is opposite to the Bible. This is, in fact, what Antichrist does, is go opposite to the Bible. By setting up this rule that men could not marry who were their priests, they could not marry, they set up a natural haven for homosexuals and child abusers to be priests in their Catholic Church. What we are seeing today in the reports of child abuse are very clear if you understand that they set up a rule contrary to the Word of God. Paul explains in 1 Timothy chapter 4, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. The Catholics did both of these things. They set up a rule where their priests could not marry, and they set up a rule where on Fridays their people are not to eat meat. This is, of course, not in the Bible anywhere to do this. They set this up by their own fleshly minds. One interesting thing to me is they eat fish on Fridays. But in the Bible, Jesus cooked fish for his disciples in John chapter 21. And he said to his disciples, have you any meat? And he was cooking meat for them to eat at the time. And it was fish. But for some reasons, the Catholics don't call fish meat. It's so twisted. It's simply a doctrine of devils. And they put their congregations into bondage by the doctrines that they set up, which are not in the Bible. Protestants do the same thing. They put their congregations into bondage by having rules and commandments that are not in the Bible. First, let's establish this subject about can a minister marry? And let's establish it from the Holy Bible New Testament. The Apostle Paul said a minister has the right to marry. In 1 Corinthians 9 verse 5, Paul said, Have we not the power to lead about a sister, a wife? as other apostles, as the brethren of the Lord, as Cephas, who is Peter. 
Paul did not marry, but he said we have the power to marry. We can marry. We are free to marry. Peter was married. In the Bible, we read about Jesus healing Peter's mother-in-law. Matthew chapter 8, verse 14. And when Jesus was come into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother laid and sick of a fever, and he touched her arm, her hand, excuse me, and the fever left her, and she arose and ministered unto them. Peter also had multiple children, for Peter said he was an elder, and one requirement of the elder was to have faithful children. Titus chapter 1. Paul said to Titus, For this cause left I thee in Crete, that thou shouldst set in order the things that are wanting, and ordain elders in every city as I had appointed thee. If any be blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of riot or unruly. For a bishop must be blameless. Now here we see the word bishop and elder used interchangeably. These are the same thing. For a bishop must be blameless as the steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, no stalker, not given to filthy lucre but a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, sober, just, holy, temperate, holding fast the faithful word, as he hath been taught, that he might be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. Peter said he was an elder. He was an apostle, he said, and an elder. An elder had to be married the husband of one wife, and have faithful children. Those are two requirements for elder. I know churches who set up elders where they're not married. I know one who set up a divorced man to be elder. Turned out this divorced man went out to the bars at night and chased women and committed fornication while he was an elder and teaching Bible at that church. It's You have to go by Bible. You can't go by anything else. If you try to set up anything that is not by Bible, you do great harm to everyone. In the Old Testament, we have outstanding examples whereby the rulers of the land tried to do something in a way that was not commanded by God and it brought great harm and death on the people. Paul even told us that these Old Testament examples were given for our benefit so that we might learn not to do the same thing they did. Here is an example of David trying to move the Ark of God. It's in 2 Chronicles 13. David said to the people, Let us bring again the ark of our God 
to us, for we inquired not at it in the days of Saul. David is setting about to do a good work, to get the ark of God back for them to use to inquire of God. And all the congregation said that they would do so, for the thing was right in the eyes of all the people. But they tried to move the ark of God in a way other than the way God had commanded Moses to move the ark of God. And here's where they got in trouble. Verse 7, And they carried the ark of God in a new cart out of the house of Abinadab. And Uzzah and Aho drove the cart. Drove the cart. And David said, David and all Israel played before God with all their might, with singing and with harps and with psalteries and with trembles and with cymbals and with trumpets. And when they came to the threshing floor of Chidon, Uzzah put forth his hand to hold the ark, for the oxen stumbled. And the anger of God was kindled against Uzzah, and he, God, smote him, killed him, because he put his hand to the ark, and there he died before God. This doesn't make sense, does it? Because here, Uzzah is trying to do a good thing. You see, the point is, you can do good works, but if they're being done in a way opposite to the way God set it forth, it shows you what danger you are in. Verse 11. And David was displeased because the Lord had made a breach upon Uzzah. Wherefore that place is called Perazutha to this day. This is going to make sense to us when we read 1 Chronicles 15. For it's explained to us in 1 Chronicles 15 why God struck Uzzah dead. And David made him houses in the city of David and prepared a place for the ark of God and pitched for it a tent. But they didn't have the ark of God there. They had left it back there where Uzzah had been struck dead. Then David said, None ought to carry the ark of God but the Levites. For them hath the Lord chosen to carry the ark of God and to minister unto him forever. So they're going to set about this time to move that ark in the right way. First of all, the, the uh, Levites were appointed as the tribe of Israel that were to minister to God, taking care of the sacred things. Verse 3, And David gathered all Israel together to Jerusalem to bring up the ark of the Lord unto his place which he had prepared for it. And David assembled the children of Aaron, they are the Levites, and said unto them, Ye are the chief of the fathers of the Levites, sanctify yourselves, both ye and your brethren, that ye may bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel 
unto the place that I have prepared for it. For because ye did it not at the first, at the first time they tried to use move the ark, the Lord our God hath made a breach upon us, for that we sought him not after the due order. They didn't do the right rules. Rules are very important to God. Rules in the church are very important to God. If you try to follow God at a church where they have thrown out the rules of the New Testament, you're in trouble. So David said about the second time to follow the rules of God concerning moving the Ark of the Covenant. So the priests and the Levites sanctified themselves to bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel. And the children of the Levites bear the ark of God upon their shoulders with staves thereon, as Moses commanded according to the word of the Lord. You can't do religious things according to your own thinking. It has to be done the way God specifies. For us today, the specifications are in the New Testament Bible, for we go by the New Covenant. And it's very important. But what has happened is it's like there's no judgment or no visible judgment. In those days, there was a very visible judgment showing God was displeased. At the judgment seat of Christ, there will be very visible visible judgment showing that God is displeased, but then it will be too late for you or for anyone else. For at the judgment seat of Christ, you were judged by what you did on this earth, whether good or bad. That's uh, 2 Corinthians 11. 2 Corinthians 5, excuse me, 2 Corinthians 5. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that we will be judged according to what we have done in this body, whether it be good or bad. And if it's the opposite to what God tells as the rules for the New Testament church, it's going to be bad. You can say to God, but our church doctrine says to do this. God is going to point out to you that you had a copy of the New Testament Bible and those are the real rules of God. You cannot go by the rules of the Baptist Church or Church of Christ or Assembly of God or Catholics. The New Testament Bible sets forth the rules of God for the church. Each of us are responsible to read the New Testament Bible and to know what it says so when these churches try to do something opposite, you will know it and you can leave that church group and protect yourself and your family. It's our responsibility. I've had to leave many churches in the past 40 years because either preachers were preaching something contrary to the Word of God making up things, making up their own doctrines. And when I went to the preachers about this, they didn't show any repentance or shame. They just got angry. I Therefore, I had to leave. I couldn't go back to those churches. In your case, you may just want to leave. 
The first church I left was as a new Christian, and I didn't go to the pastor who was teaching these things. I saw something in the Bible that showed me exactly opposite to what the pastor was teaching. So I just left that church group. I went to another church group, but I left that church group. It ended up God had to bring me out of the other church group also. And then since that time, many times I've gone to churches and pastor has been teaching things that were not in the Bible. And each time I couldn't return to that church group when that happened. So see, we have a responsibility to handle things of God properly. You have a responsibility for yourself and your household to handle things of God in a proper way. You cannot go against the scriptures in the New Testament. You can't do it in order to attend church. You can't throw out the scriptures in order to attend church. It won't work. You'll just have to leave the churches that will not follow scripture. These uh, pastors and religious leaders of the past set up their churches with their own thinking. And they often cause the church itself to sin by doing their commandments. An example in the Old Testament is Saul, who was king of Israel, appointed by God as king of Israel. But he caused the people to sin by setting up a commandment that was of himself and not from God. 1 Samuel 14 And the men of Israel were distressed that day, for Saul had adjured the people, saying, Cursed be the man that eateth any food until evening, that I may be avenged on mine enemies. So none of the people tasted any food, but they were very hungry. And all the land came to a wood, and there was honey upon the ground. And when the people were come to the wood, behold, the honey dropped, but no man put his hand to his mouth, for the people feared the oath that had been made by Saul. But the men were very, very hungry. Verse 31, And they smote the Philistines that day from Mishmash to Algernon, and the people were very faint. And the people flew upon the spoil, and took sheep and oxen and calves and slew them on the ground. And the people did eat them with the blood. This is a sin against God. So by setting up this rule, Saul caused a situation to happen which caused the people of the congregation, so to speak, to sin against God. They set up all kinds of rules in the churches today both Catholics and Protestants, which caused their congregations to sin against God. One of the uh, situations in the Protestant churches that is set up is this. Fleshly men, seeing the scriptures only by their own natural eyes, came across the scripture about the Lord's Supper, and they thought, eating and drinking the Lord's Supper would be eating and drinking 
crackers and grape juice or bread and wine. Natural crackers and grape juice or natural bread and wine. So they set this up in the churches. Millions of people Sunday mornings will be eating and drinking crackers and grape juice thinking that it's the Lord's Supper when the Lord's Supper is eating and drinking the Word of God. Crackers and grape juice have no power at all. It is the Word of God that has the power. Now, some of us should have been aware of this long ago because of one scripture. 1 Corinthians 11, the Apostle Paul says, But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. How do you examine yourself with crackers and grape juice? You cannot. This scripture always bothered me. From the time I was a child, and it bothered me. How do you do this? How do you examine yourself? Well, the real truth of the matter is Paul is not talking about bread and wine or crackers and grape juice. He's talking about eating and drinking the word of God. So Paul is saying, let a man examine himself by the word of God. As he eats that bread, examine yourself. As he drinks that cup, examine yourself. Examine yourself by the word of God. And so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup, examining himself by that cup, which is the word of God. This should have caused us to question, what is the Lord's Supper? For you can't examine yourself by crackers and grape juice. You can't do it. But you can examine yourself by reading the Bible, and that is the partaking of the Lord's Supper. Actually, the church service itself, when it is a godly church service, and many of them are not, but when it is a godly church service, the word of God that comes forth in the service itself is the food from God, and it is eating and drinking the word of God. It is the Lord's Supper. These scriptures are the Lord's Supper. The word that is being preached that day is the Lord's Supper. But to partake of the crackers and grape juice is to partake of an idol set up by fleshly religious men who saw things only by their natural eye and set up an idol in their churches. In Matthew chapter 7, we are warned by Jesus. He says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils? And in thy name have done many wonderful works. And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. See, that wasn't authored by God. The works we do has to be authored by God. It has to be the Holy Spirit urging us to do that work. They went, they came and prophesied in his name. They did They cast out devils in his name, and they did many wonderful works, and yet 
Jesus does not accept them because he didn't tell them to do it. So therefore, we have to be led by the Spirit of God in doing religious works. And it is the Spirit of God that motivates us. It is the Spirit of God that calls the situation to our attention and causes us to focus on the situation and causes us to go out and do that situation. And then we're accepted because it was authored by Jesus himself, by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God who lives in us. But for man to go out and do his own works or for some church to put up a list and say, who wants to visit the sick? Sign up. See, that may not be of God for you. But you may feel guilty because you don't sign up. So you sign up feeling guilty and you go do the work. That will not be the work of God. This is not the way God leads us to do a work by guilt. He leads us to do the work by the Spirit of God who will create in our hearts the emphasis for the work. But if we do works that aren't of the Spirit of God, we will be turned away at the day of judgment by Jesus Christ. So it's very important to be sure you're doing the work of God. When I present these broadcasts, I'm not trying to figure out what to present. I will just be reading the Bible and all of a sudden it will come upon me to present this subject, just like today. It is God leading me to speak this to you. That's how we follow God. It's by His Spirit causing us to have the motivation to do something bringing the idea to our mind to do something, and that good work will be a good work then. Thinking of it that way, let's reread this verse of Scripture. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. That thing of casting out devils. When I was a new Christian in 1975, somewhere along those early years, I started going to a prayer group. And in that prayer group, there were three women who invited someone else to go with them to cast devils out of houses. Well, I thought that would be great fun, so I volunteered. It was great fun. The three uh, three women, the four of us, went to lunch together, and we had such a good time. And then we went out to some house and cast out devils. We'd go through rooms and say, I feel a devil in here, and we'd cast that devil out. It's all nonsense, total nonsense. Devils don't live in wooden houses made by man or brick houses. They live inside human beings. But we had a great time delivering houses. We got to go to the 
owner of the Dallas Cowboys football team to cast devils out of his house. His wife had become a Christian, and she wanted us to come and cast devils out of their house. His name is Clint Murkison, and by the way, she had just divorced her husband, Gil Brandt, who was the chief scout for the Dallas Cowboys, and married Gil Brandt. That's adultery. But we didn't know much about Scripture in those days. So we were having a great time. But at the judgment seat of Christ, I'm not going to be telling Jesus I went and cast devils out of houses, expecting it to be a good work. I know now it was absolutely it was foolishness, completely unscriptural. But a lot of people think these things they're doing are good works. And they're the ones who are going to be turned away when that work was not authored by Jesus himself. Every one of the scriptures I have spoken today will be written for you on our blog. If you will go to Jesus Ministries Exhortations, look on the right-hand side of the page where it says Podcast. You can look up this episode, which is Men Add Their Own Commandments to Churches. Look up this episode And you will see every scripture that I have spoken today written out for you so you can go over these scriptures again. Again, the name of that blog is Jesus Ministries Exhortations. This is Joan Boney speaking and I thank you for allowing me to speak to you today.